Good to be here. It's warming up. One of the things I like about the weather warming up, and I bet nobody else said this today, but I noticed it. I went in, you know, to butter my toast this morning, and I pulled the butter off the shelf, and you know what? It was soft and smooth. It just went on that, butt, on that toast so smoothly. I was like, oh, it's warm. It's summertime almost. Almost. We're almost there. All right. It's the small things, my friends. It's the small things. One day I'll do a sermon on um, evidence that God exists in butter. Like butter is evidence that God exists and that he's good. I don't know. Maybe not. So let's get our bearings this morning. We've been uh, going through, uh, let's back it up even to January, this new year. We started looking at the Gospel of John, the message about Jesus, good news message about Jesus written down by John, one of those disciples. And it started with God coming to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel, the eternal Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When the time is right, the time is fulfilled, the Son descended, made his dwelling among us, revealed himself to us, brought the kingdom of God, spoke words of life, demonstrated through his actions and his words that the kingdom of God, heaven was breaking in on earth. And then Jesus comes, he's ministering for about three and a half years, he's killed, he, he lays down his life for you and me to bear the punishment we deserve for our sins. That's why we felt separated from God. That's why we were lost. Our sins separated us from God. God comes in Jesus, bears that punishment for us, cancels the debt, moves that out of the way so that you can be reconciled to God. And then he shows you that that's true and it's real by pouring his Holy Spirit, his holy eternal power in you, in me. He does that. He dies. He's resurrected. That's not the end of him. And over a period of 40 days, you remember this in Acts now, we've, we've transitioned to Acts. Over a period of 40 days, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive to many people, hundreds of people. And during one of those appearances, he prepared his disciples for what was coming next. So Jesus ascends. He returns to the Father. He returns to heaven. But that's not the end of the story. He's just getting started. It feels like less of the Lord, but it's actually going to be more of the Lord. He tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem. Tells them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says it like this. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says to them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, starting in Jerusalem, where you are, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's your mission now. That's your commission. That's what I'm sending you to do. Now, remember, these disciples, people like you and me, they were fearful. They were flawed. They had different strengths and weaknesses. They're human. But they were soon to be empowered by the living presence of God. And God was going to do something through these weak and flawed vessels uh, that was bigger than what had come before. So he sends them out. That was in the year 30, 30 AD. What year is it? 30. That'd be weird to say, right? We got all these digits now. 
So he said that in the year 3080. Now, now today, nearly 2,000 years later, the testimony about Jesus has gone out in all the world. It's reached the ends of the earth. What Jesus said way back then has happened. That's been fulfilled. There are Christians in every country on earth today. And today, the, the church of God, the, those who are assembled by Jesus to Jesus, that's what church means, assembly, the church of God is being built out. It's still growing. Jesus is still building this thing out. And those who are in his church, those who are among his assembled people, he is building us up, right? He's still at work in us, transforming us, making us new, freeing us up. Now, we're going to look at how Jesus did that and how he's doing it today still. And the answer is he's doing it the same way today as he did in the beginning. So let's go to that moment when God kicked this thing off, the church. Uh, the disciples, again, they were together in Jerusalem. Remember, it was the festival of Pentecost, so there were a lot of people in Jerusalem. It was packed. There was hundreds of thousands of people there. And then the time had come. The Spirit of God was poured out on his disciples. He dropped the Spirit of God on them, filled them, and enabled them to do something that they couldn't do on their own. He empowered them to do something that they were not capable of doing. And that is praising and speaking the wonders of God in languages that they did not know. It was a supernatural sign. It was a demonstration of God's power. And it drew people together. The crowd gathered. And they said, what is going on? So Peter told them. He explained to them what this was, what they were witnessing, hearing. He said it like this. Acts chapter 2, verse 16, he said, Peter said, This is what was spoken, promised by the prophet Joel. God promised this to them through the prophet Joel. He said, In the last days, which God is just kicking off at that point, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Not just special people at special times, but all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will speak messages of God that God gives them. Your young men will see visions. God will give them visions. Your old men will dream dreams, spiritual dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. We will prophesy. This is us. This is the assembled by God. This is the saved by God. We are filled by that same spirit. Now, what does it look like? What is it supposed to look like? Not just for those, you know, disciples, the apostles, but for you and me, everyday believers, with our day jobs and lives, normal lives. What is it supposed to look like for us? Well, we got a picture of it. We've looked at it before, but it's important to look at it again. We got a picture of it in a letter that God inspired Paul to write to his people, to his church, in a city called Corinth. Now, Corinth was not Jerusalem. It was very different. It was a Greco-Roman culture city. It was in Europe. It was along the way of the message about Jesus going out to the ends of the earth. It went up through Asia Minor into Europe. 
This is 20 years after Pentecost, just 20 years, two decades after Pentecost. There's a church, there are spirit-filled believers, Gentiles, not Jews, filled with the Spirit of God, having received the forgiveness that the King of the Jews purchased for them on the cross. God uniting all people together to himself through Christ. They're filled with the Spirit of God, and this is what he tells them it should look like. We get a description there. This is in chapter 12. Let's look at it. This is what it looks like for a people who are in Christ, filled with his spirit, back then and today. He writes, there are different kinds of gifts, different kinds of gifts that God gives, but the same spirit distributes them in his body, among the members of his body, his people. There are different kinds of service. The Holy Spirit, God, inspires different kinds of service among us. But it's the same Lord doing it. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, each one of us, it is the same God at work. Get that picture? God doing a diversity of things among this diverse group of people called his church, gathered together from all over the world, all inspired, all done by the same Lord and Spirit. Now to each one, each one of us, each one of you, you, me, all who are in Christ, to each one, the manifestation, the outworking of the Spirit is given, is given to you for the common good, to build us all up. To one of you is given the Spirit a message of wisdom. To one, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith, that confidence, that strong, bold confidence in the Lord by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. There are different kinds of spirits out there. It's good to have somebody gifted with the ability to discern those. To another, speaking in different kinds of, of tongues, of languages. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one of you and me as he determines. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. You got the picture? This is the church. This is the body of Christ. This is us. This is a picture of us, OTC, 2,000 years later. This is a picture of the, the true church anywhere that is in Christ. And then later in chapter 14, 26, we're given this picture of a Sunday church service. When you come together, when you gather together, each one of you has something. Each one of you has a hymn. We heard some hymns today. A word of instruction. You're hearing it now. A revelation. We'll see what happens. A tongue or an interpretation. Again, to share, to build up the body. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Built up. And then he gives us more instruction. Do it in love. Do it in an orderly way. Let's capture this because I think it's different. It's a mind shift for the church, for us even. First fill in. Listen to this. Jesus today, still, is building his church 
here and throughout the world, through every member, every member of his spirit-filled body, every one of us, God wants to work something in you, through you, for the good of somebody else, for the good of the body. Now this is a, this is a big shift because I think what's happened in the church, that's a general statement, but can happen, has happened in some churches, is a kind of consumer mentality. We go to church, we consume something, we go home. That's not the picture we were given, was it? That's not the New Testament picture of the church. That's not Jesus' vision of the church. That's not what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and me and through you and me. We need to shift from that perspective to, I come to church of which I am a member of the body of Christ. And I ask the Lord to use me, to work through me, to bless others, to build others up by his spirit. How do I do that? Well, when you come, ask the Lord. Give me something, Lord. Use me. I'm available. I'm ready. Use me to build someone else up, to bless others. Release your gifts in me. I'm here. I'm available. I'm ready. Isn't that a shift? Wow. That's how we, I believe the Lord is calling us to do church because that's what his vision is of the church. He gave it to us in the New Testament. This is how we are to do church. This is how we are to gather together. Not, well, I hope the coffee's good. Hope they have the real creamer today. Hope it's not too windy. Hope Wayne doesn't talk too long. But Lord, use me. I'm here. I'm yours. I'm ready. Give me something to share. It's going to take a mind shift, number one. God's given us a true picture of the church, how he wants it to operate. Number two, it's going to take more confidence and more boldness. It's going to take a little risk, come out of our comfort zone a little bit. For some, the mixer's challenging, right? Fair. I mean, we're all in different places. But to be like, Lord, use me. I'm ready. I'm available. Um, and then to do the thing that he calls you or prompts you to do, it's going to take some confidence and boldness for all of us. All right, but this is what God wants to do. Here's the question. Will you let him, will you let the Holy Spirit move and work through you? We need you. Nobody here has all the gifts. God works through all of us in different ways, and we need every instrument playing. God's, God's got an awesome orchestra here, and he wants it to be full on, fully activated. All right, so we get an example of how this works uh, in Acts chapter 3. So progressing through to Acts. You guys thought we'd never get through Acts, did you? Because we've been in chapter 1 and 2 for about three weeks. All right, we're going to Acts chapter 3. God gives us amaz an amazing example of God working through his spirit through two guys, Peter and John. Now, they're unique. They, they got to walk and talk and eat with Jesus, so they, they know him better than uh, anybody at that point. And, but let's see how he works through them. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. There's three times of prayer in the Jewish 
uh, day. And this one was at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Now this is a gate, uh, so on the temple court, the platform, there's the temple and there's a, there's a, a wall that goes around the, the temple and uh, there's some steps there and there's a gate that leads into the court of women and then the court of men. There's all these separations back then and then the court of priests. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Where this guy was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So he's in a strategic place ready to ask for some help. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now this is just normal everyday stuff, right? Peter and John going to the temple to pray. That's what Jews did when they were in Jerusalem. All right, a beggar who can't walk asked Peter and John for money. Happens every day there. It was just going on. But because the kingdom of God has broken in, because Peter and John are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are Jesus' disciples, who knows what's going to happen? Something unexpected could happen. The unnormal is about to happen. Peter looks straight at the guy who asked for money, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man, you know, he's looking around. The man gives them atten his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, as this is happening, the man's feet and ankles became strong. The power of God was released in that moment. This guy jumped to his feet. He began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. Heck yeah. I haven't walked in all my life. I can jump. Look. And praising God. Okay, this is not expected. This is unusual. This is new. Not normal, everyday stuff. When God is present, when God is there with his people, when his people are gathered, the unexpected can happen. The presence of God, what did he do there? He lifted this man up and it results in praise to God. When God's moving among his people, when God's moving in the place, it lifts people up. It builds people up, strengthens them brings them to their feet, and it results in praise to God, not to some person, but to God. Okay, let's dig under the surface of this a bit, right? Now, some questions. Was the man healed by the power of Peter or John? These apostles. Was it their power that healed the man? No. They say no. I guess I just said it. Nobody else said it. In the name of Jesus. Is that a magic formula? Can I do that anytime? Hey, in the name of Jesus. Cheeseburger. In the name of Jesus. I need a chair. No. That's not, that's not what's going on here. Was it their own idea to heal the man? Did they initiate that? No. They were prompted, and we see this pattern throughout the New Testament. 
They were prompted by the Holy Spirit inside them to say what they said to that man in that moment. They were being led by the Spirit of God. Jesus was prompting this and wanted to do this through them. That's why they said, in the name of Jesus. By saying that, they're, they're announcing that they are acting on behalf of Jesus. They're his agents. They're his ambassadors. They're the conduit through which Jesus is working. And they just submitted to that. They prompted it. came to their mind. They spoke it. And God released his power and accomplished what he had planned to do in that moment, at that time, with that guy. we got to remember this, because this is a model for us. Next fill-in. They said and did what the Holy Spirit prompted them to say and do. Jesus is doing the same thing now. Jesus is continuing to build his church. He's still working. He's still, he's still active. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to say and do things. Will you say and do them? Let's put ourselves in that situation again. Slow it down even more. Peter and John were in. You're walking somewhere. A person who can't walk is begging, asking for money. And the Holy Spirit, it's not your idea, but the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak to that person. And you're speaking to them and you feel stirred or prompted. These are different words we use. Or the idea comes to your mind to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That comes to you. You're in that moment. Do you do it? Do you say it? And then, you know, it's not like he leapt up automatically. The next step was, you sense that you're supposed to take his hand. All right, he's not walking yet. Take his hand and lift him up. And as he lifted him up, then the Spirit of God moved in him, healed him, and he stepped up. Do you do that? What's the risk? What do you think? Did I really hear God? Am I, you know, what if I get this wrong? What, right? Yeah, my fault. And then I've, what was I thinking? High risk, man. Wow. Going to take some confidence and boldness. Let me give you some examples here, here today. Um, this one came to mind. This was just a few weeks ago at Wednesday Bible Study. Uh, we, we, were, we were just about to get started. I was about to launch in, you know, had my plan. And um, Jim and Jane, we were at Jim and Jane's house, and their grandson was sick. And, we, you know, we were, cons I was like, okay, let's, let's take a moment. And even that's a little decision, right? Okay, let's take a moment. Let's stop. Let's pray for their grandson. And so we're, we're praying for him as a group. And in that prayer, I just, I felt the Lord say to me, that's the best language I could put on it. He prompted me, it came to my mind as I was praying, uh, said, let this be the turning point. Let there be a turn right now as we pray. And the little guy turned at that point. 
there was an exchange of texts, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And at that moment, God did something. Because the Spirit of God prompted us to pray, because he wanted to do this thing, and he did it. And the praise goes to him. Jane was telling me a story, a, a story last week, uh, Bible study, just about being led, being prompted to share some seeds to speak about her faith to a patient. It's risky, you know, to, to ask to pray for the patient. And she did. Now, she'll tell you this, and I'll tell you that there's times where, you know, we've felt prompted and haven't done it. Because it's scary, it's risky. Um, but God, that's how God works. This is how God moves. This is a new way of living that God has opened up. We are part of this new creation. Remember how it all went wrong? Genesis 3, God spoke to them, gave them a command, gave them a directive, and they rejected it. And into the world came sin, pain, toil, death. God is restoring his humanity. He's putting his spirit in us so that we do truly reflect his image and likeness so that he can work through us, so that he can rule his creation through us. He wants to do that through you and me. And it comes as we line up and say yes to him in these little things, in these moments. So Peter and John obeyed. There's an example for us. They obeyed the Lord. The man was healed. It was amazing, right? Wow. We'd love to see that. But the work of God opened up something even greater that they didn't see at that moment. And that can happen in you and through you as well. The man who was healed continued to walk with Peter and John. He went with them up the steps. They're continuing on to prayer through the gate and into the temple courts. And verse 9, when all the people saw him, this, this beggar, they recognized him, walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at God. Look at this. This is, this is amazing. While the man held on to Peter and John, he's just clinging on to them. He's like, I'm with these guys. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, which was right next door there. A crowd gathers. A crowd gathers. God has just done a sign. He's just done something, and a crowd gathers. Does that sound familiar? What's Peter going to do next? Just what Jesus did when he healed and did things, and a crowd gathered. He begins to preach to them, teach them about the kingdom of God, to tell them the good news. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So they're gathering around, and Peter's like, hey, why do you stare at us? Verse 12, why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we made this man walk? It's not us. We didn't do that. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. He points them to Jesus. It's about Jesus. This is Jesus' doing. And then he starts preaching the good news message about Jesus. And it's pretty intense. Listen, he says, you handed him over to be killed. 
and you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. You rejected, disowned, shoved aside, tried to get rid of Jesus, God in the flesh, God with us. But God accepted him, honored him, and raised him from the dead. By faith in the name of Jesus, Peter continues, this man whom you see and know was is made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him, as you can all see. Then he directs it to them. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Bro, Peter and John, how would you describe these guys? Bold, direct, confident. They're not pulling punches. It's kind of rude, right? Dang, you disown, you kill. They're just laying it out. They're speaking it freely. Now let's see what happens. A couple reactions to this. This preaching about Jesus. Acts chapter 4, 1, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. These are the, this is the leadership. These are the people in charge. Came up to Peter and John, and they were greatly disturbed because these apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They did not like this. They seized Peter and John. And because it was, they had a, the guards there, because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. This is the second reaction. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The message about Jesus is good news to many. So we've gone from 3,000 to 5,000 now. 3,000 at Pentecost, 5,000 now, chapter later. The leaders were greatly disturbed, irked, annoyed about this. Why were they so upset? They, they thought they got rid of Jesus, right? They handed him over to be crucified. They thought they were done with Jesus, but Jesus is not done. This thing's just getting started. They have no idea. 5,000 then, over 2 billion today, all over the world. That's not counting everybody who came in between them and us. You can't stop God. You cannot stop him. Jesus wants to work in and through every member of his body, you and me. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Will you do it? Will you respond? Will you say and do what he's, he calls you to say and do? There'll be internal opposition. Oh, I'm not sure, God. This is risky. What if it doesn't happen? Expect it. There'll be external opposition. Hopefully you won't get arrested, but there will be external opposition. Oh, look, look at this guy. Wow. He talks a lot about Jesus. There'll be external opposition. But regardless... Either through you 
or another member in his body, Jesus will get it done. Jesus will build his church. You cannot stop him. Your disobedience or rebellion will not stop him. Your lack of trust and confidence to obey him will not stop him. He will accomplish it some other way. If I fail to do it, he'll, he'll find another way. I just don't want to miss out. I want to be part of that. We get to be part of that, each one of us. We're going to talk about, in the coming weeks, different ways that help us be ready and sensitive to his spirit and useful to him. Today we're talking about boldness and confidence because it starts there. Now here's the thing. Not boldness and confidence in yourself. It's not about your skill, your ability, your giftedness. Boldness and confidence about the Lord. Jesus is doing this not by your might, not by your power, not by your skills, not by your talents, but by his spirit. All we do is say, yes, I'm willing. All we do is say, yeah, Lord, less of me, more of you. Whatever you want to do, willingness, and then obedience. It's like a servant. I mean, in some ways, being a servant is a pretty easy job. Someone tells you what to do, and you do it. That's a good servant. God's calling us to be good servants so that he can do his amazing work in the world, bring his new creation, bring people from death to life, darkness to light. He wants to do it through us, through you, me. we got to push some things out of the way to be a useful channel for him. Uh, it begins with confidence, again, in him, that he will do what he prompts you to do, that he is with you, that you are his, that he's present and active. All right, let's look one more time at this boldness and confidence. Here it is. Finishing it up, Acts chapter 4. So they put, they put him in jail, Peter and John. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. Same people who, who had Jesus put to death. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Okay? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, prompted by, filled with, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone, the first stone of the building that he is building, his church. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Confident, bold, spirit-filled, before the same people that had Jesus crucified. Dang, these guys... Wow. Now, look at their response, the, the leaders. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary. Get that? Unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. Like, how? Wow. 
And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there's nothing they could say. So they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You need to shut it down, guys. Peter and John replied, Gosh, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot, will not, stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. <laughs> Peter and John are obeying, submitted to the highest authority. The highest authority in your life is not fear. It's not fear of failure. It's not what results come. It should be Jesus. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Not my fears, not my worries. Not other people, what they say, what they might say. Let's not submit to any other powers or authorities. Let's get ourselves submitted to the Lord of hosts, God most high. It's going to take some confidence and boldness. That's the last fill-in. Confidence and boldness in him. So, the leaders don't know what to do with these guys. So they're like, well, they release them. And uh, so the disciples go back to the other disciples where they're gathered. And they're praying together. They gather together with the Lord. They pray. They say, this is verse 29. This is what they pray. Listen to this prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider the opposition and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's the church, man. More of you, Lord. More of this. More of your spirit. More of your power. More of confidence and boldness in you. Yeah? Let's stand and let's pray this together. The same prayer. I think we need this. If we're going to be a body that's fully activated, every member, the spirit of God working through every member here, we're going to need some boldness and confidence. We're going to need this prayer. So it's in your bulletin. I'm going to go back to verse 29 and verse 30. We're going to read this together. But don't just read it. Pray it. We're talking to God. God is present with us. He's here. Let's speak to him together. Ready? Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Let's do it together. We count three. Now, Lord, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Praise you, God. Let's just stay standing. We're going to pray a little bit. We're going to open this up. And um, I'm going to start praying 
Uh, I spoke to some of you, gave you some guidelines. If you, uh, if you were on that list, I want to invite you to come up. If the Lord prompts you, gives you something to share with us, we're going to practice what we just preached. Um, let me start as Lord, we thank you. We thank you for letting us be part of your work in the world. Not only saving us and then just putting us on the bench, but saying, come on, get in with me. I want to work and build through you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, help us put off fear. Let us put off people-pleasing. Let us put off those things that hinder us. Sin, Lord God, the things that hinder us from hearing from you and being useful to you, Lord, for this work you're doing in the world. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and move. We ask you to stretch out your hand, release your gifts, the gifts of the Spirit in every member here. Give us your word of revelation. Give us your words of wisdom. Give us visions, pictures, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Move. Move in us now, Lord. We submit to you. We give ourselves to you. We are willing. We are ready. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. For some of you, it's just, it's that baby step of confidently and freely saying, Jesus is Lord. Let's do that together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. I am, I am a follower of Jesus. I belong to you. Speak, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. At this point, I'm just opening it up to the group of people I've, I've talked to and said, come up if you, the Lord gives you something. If that's you, come on up, share. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Last week was super exciting uh, when Pastor Wayne called us. Um, but over the week, I was praying and talking to the Lord, and he gave me a message, and he was, I was, he was speaking to me. And uh, Pastor Wayne said, hey, come and speak. And I said, well, Lord, what should I speak about? And he says, I gave you the message already. The Lord is pleased that we're seeking his gifts. He wants to empower us. Thank you. But many will come and say, Lord, Lord. 
and many means majority and the Lord would send them away and I said Lord why and it's the fear of the Lord the fear of, lo of the Lord is to hate evil to hate sin it makes us clean uh, it means to, to hate being away from the presence of the Lord and presence is key he he wants to give us direction he wants to fellowship with us when we're in his presence so the one we fear is the one that we obey the Lord wants us not to fear like the world fears he wants us to, re to respect him to love him to treat the things of God as sacred he wants us to be proactive and to stand up to sin yes this is complementary to love complementary to the gifts of the Lord the church is is called to be in the world but not of the world and the evidence however is not so and examples for example marriage and so forth how we treat it how we treat our time what do we do with our free time He's calling us to repent, to put on the armor, yes. and to stay in his presence. Yes. He's calling us to be warriors for him. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Yes. Yes, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Lord Jesus, purify your people, Lord Jesus. Help us push off, take off, turn away from, crucify that sin that's been entangling us, Lord God. Praise you, Lord. Help us commit to walking away from that. Purify us, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. spirit Lord less of us less of our sin less of our worry and fear more of you Lord God more freedom Lord and confidence praise you Lord God thank you that we can come to you like this in freedom and confidence because of what you did for us Jesus thank you Lord praise you Lord more of your presence this week Lord we ask that not just on Sunday, but during the week, you would speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear. Help us stop what we're doing to listen to you, to receive what you have for us, God. More of you, Lord God. More of you in our lives, Lord Jesus. Let us let you interrupt what we're doing, our plans, our tasks for the higher thing, the better thing, the thing that you want to do in us and through us in that moment, Lord. We put you first. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. 